You're listening to the Global Growth Podcast powered by Globig. The topics we discuss are designed to accelerate growth locally and globally. Today's discussion is going to be focused on tough conversations to be prepared for when fundraising and really just doing business for what I call non-traditional founders. And let me explain what that means to me. It's female founders, people of color, LGBTQ, neurodiverse, maybe even foreigners and others that just don't fit that commonly funded young white male profile. And my guest is Iman Maharzi. She's a fellow Techstars mentor in Paris, which is actually how we met. She's an investor, founder of Own Your Cash, and an ally for founders in their journey to growth and impact. I'm Anka Corbin, your host for today's podcast. Welcome, Iman. I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic. It's a tough topic, and I'm so grateful that you're here. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You know, one of the things that I love is to give tough love. So I think it's the, it's the right place today. <laughs> I mean, tough love is a gift and it's hard to get that gift because everyone, you know, many people are just not comfortable with that. And so, you know, it was interesting. We had a chance to speak a little bit before this. And one of the things I was really excited about is that you're just there to help prepare founders for those tough questions and they're going to get them in fundraising and even in business negotiations. But what was interesting, and I think it shocked me a little bit was when I, I had asked you, so, you know, what's the likelihood of, of someone getting this? And you said it's hundred percent, hundred percent of these non-traditional founders are going to have some or all of these tough questions at some point. And that kind of blew me away. So let's just jump in. Like, what are we talking about when we call, yeah. talk about these sorts of questions? Maybe we can start by um, acknowledging that the whole non-traditional founder expression is something that we need to shift in terms of mindset. Um, because if we think of demographics, if we think of what the vast majority of founders and entrepreneurs are in the US, but basically all around the world, um, there are not the small, um, tiny percentage of people who are VC funded, right? So right. just to put things in perspective, that's right. That uh, if you add up all the people that you put into the non traditional founder category, basically it's the vast majority. So when you think about it this way, you know, when you, when you make that, that, that shift, um, uh, finding in yourself the stamina and the strength to address some destabilizing questions or questions which may make you feel like you're not traditional, they give you the stamina to, you know, own your power and own your stance. Uh -huh. So, you know, that's the first remark I would like to share with you and with your listeners is that you totally are legitimate to be wherever you are, <laughs> uh -huh. that the best money will come from your customers. That's the best money ever. That's the proof. That's the, you have something that someone wants to pay for and they are so happy to be your customer. Right. Yeah, and they're happy to share a hard-earned money with you because you're really solving a, a big problem for them or giving them the entertainment they're looking for or whatever you're mm -hmm. providing. So um, so one of the, maybe the, the first questions to go back to your, to your question, one of the first questions which may seem difficult to address is... Um, can you prove me or why would you be, why should I believe me as an investor? Why should I believe that you're the best team or the best founder or the best CEO to run this company or, you know, to have success in this project, whatever success means. Or to be the recipients of my investments, basically. Um, and this is a super blunt and personal question when you think about it for a minute. How can I prove that I'm the best person to run the project that I, you know, had the idea for, that I built, that I 
uh, cried and invested for and, and you know, um, probably committed uh, a lot of personal money, uh, my relationships, my status, my reputation, all these things. And on top of everything, I need to prove that I'm the best person. Well, I am. <laughs> right. So this is super destabilizing. Like it's, it's, and it's a personal question. How can you prove that you're the best? Well, so this is, to me, it's a trap. It's a trick. Huh. You can't answer this question because if you go down the, the route that this question leads you to, um, you will end up justifying yourself in a way where you cannot win. You cannot prove that you're the best. You cannot prove it because mm -hmm. you, you'll always find someone who will have more of this or less of that. Mm -hmm. So it's more of an expert or someone is more committed or someone, you know, like whatever those things are. Yeah more young, less young, more uh, mm -hmm. optimistic, less optimistic, more wealthy, less wealthy, more savvy, less savvy, more agile, more structured, more, yeah, what, what? It, it doesn't make any sense to me mm -hmm. to try and justify yourself for this question, which really is a trap. So my general advice in this case is to answer the question you would have loved the investor on the investors team, uh, you would have loved them to ask you, which would be not, how can you prove me that you're the best CEO possible or the best founder or the best team for this project? But that would be, can you tell me more about your team? And do you make that obvious? Do you say, here's what I'm going to answer? Like, do you actually shift no. it or do you just answer no. in this different way? Just like, you know, you know, just like on CNN or on TV shows. How they, notice, they just move on, Did right? you notice that the answer, the way they want? <laughs> so true. Yes. And in fact, because you, you have the mic symbolically for a minute, two minutes, five minutes, maybe. They're not going to interrupt you and say, this is, wasn't my question. Because right. if they do... Then you can say in a non-offensive way, of course, you can say, well, what is the aspect that you would like reinsurance on? Or what is it that you're looking for? Or if you believe that the information that I just gave you is not enough or is insufficient, uh, maybe you could ask what type of certifications you were looking for or what is the what seems problematic to you? Mm -hmm. so, so then the responsibility to justify this tricky question falls back to the person who asked it mm -hmm. and not on you to justify why you're the person who is building that team to do whatever project right. you know because you so did already i'm sorry you did already do this so obviously you've already built the team you've already moved forward in this phase yes but the question really, and you know how VCs and angel investors think, they want to bet on the best team, the best product at the best timing possible in the best market. Mm -hmm. That's what they want generally. And the best team is, it's like a myth that everybody's looking for. I don't really know what it means because honestly, um, <laughs> It's, there is such magic in the dynamics be, in, inside a team. And sometimes people, you just add one person or you add one person six months later, the same person, the same team six months later, the integration and the general you know, vibe of the team will be totally different. So there is so much randomness and, and magic, like there's something inexplicable. Mm -hmm that really, how can you justify that? So mm -hmm. since they want to make sure that they are betting on the best team, um, and until now, even Google didn't manage to put down or set up the algorithm to explain what is the characteristics of the best team, then it's purely judgmental. That's right. It's purely signaling. 
So did you go to a big college? Did you do whatever, how many years of experience in that field? Okay, so you can say what you have, what are your assets, and say that your clients, if you have already clients, say that they particularly like this and this in the way you developed your project. Mm -hmm. And in a way, um, it's an answer to the question. Mm -hmm. It's almost proof points. Yes, with the, again, with the idea or with the, um, the, 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 the remark, the limited remark that um, I advise any team to stop trying to justify yourself. I mean, they're in, fantastic. They're not in, they're out. Maybe you can have some interesting feedback from them. Maybe you can have, you know, interesting conversation with them. But you're not, you're not going to force people to basically share an equivalent of a marriage decisions to you. You're not going to do that. And um, if, for example, the investors or the angels um, you're talking to are super risk adverse, even though they're supposed to be looking for risk and, and you know, embracing it. <laughs> well, and if you're a what if, how come kind of personality and not a should and should and must like personality, well, you're not going to change yourself, are you? But it's because you're what if kind of person that you came up with this idea and that your clients probably love you. I think that's so it's just that it's not a fit. Move on, move on. You know, that was something I was going to ask is, are there, are there things within these conversations that you should, and I love how you said, you're just not going to answer this. It's sort of what you teach in media training. You know, you teach your exactly. CEOs and exactly. everything and, exactly. and you just don't answer those and you move down that path. That sort of actually does answer it, but it's on your terms, right? Yes. Right. And it's a way to not recognize that the question was offensive, undermining your potential, maybe a bit off. You're not going to point it out, right? Mm -hmm. But by answering the way you want to, it's a way to point out also that you're exactly aware of what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And you won't have it. Right. They're not going to change it. What are some of the other questions? As that one was brilliant. And yes, mm -hmm. everyone does get that. Well, actually not everyone, but the founders we're talking about, exactly. they get this. <laughs> um, another common um question which to me again is a trap really is um the question of ambition how far do you want to go where do you see yourself in five or ten years that's a positive way to ask where do you want to take your company right where do you see your business where do you see your market in five to ten years okay that's positive it's not offensive, there's no judgment there. It's just tell me, share with me your vision. Tell me how you see the world in five to 10 years from now. When asked to uh, women founders, especially, um, and fortunately it's been documented, the question is more often than not, um, how can you um, justify the size of the market in five years? Or, um, your uh, business plan uh, doesn't seem doesn't seem aggressive enough. Aggressive, aka not ambitious enough, aka you're not uh, planning to uh, catch the moon, aka mm, I want to dream and you're not making me dream. You know I want to uh, to have a to have a moonshot and you're not the type of person who's taking me into the moon. So that's a problem. And you see the problem here between the two versions of this question of ambition and how do you express ambition in your business? How can you uh, materialize the vision that you have for your market 
or the vision that you have for your business, it can be a crazy high Excel spreadsheet with, <laughs> with billions of dollars or euros market and it can be wild and you're like, oh, wow. And yeah, and even if we take 1% of that 100 billion market, it's going to be a billion dollar valuation and everybody has stars in their eyes. Okay, uh, but who wants to be fooled? Well, apparently a lot of people want to be fooled as long as the, pers as the person in front of them uh, is in the right ethno-social gender characteristics of the persons who are allowed to fool the others. <laughs> but when you're, for instance, a woman, you perfectly know that um, you're not allowed the same um, right to fail as men. Right. We are judged all the time. And so, of course, you don't want to promise the moon when it comes to your metrics and to your business plan, because you know that if you fail and you're behind your projections, well, the reputational cost, the judgment that will be put on you will be harsher, okay? It's not going to be, oh, you know, she, was, she had such a vision, but, you know, it's normal, it's startups. They fall, they fall off, they fall behind, but we'll put more money and she will keep on dreaming. No, it will be, oh, she was reckless. Oh, um, she didn't, she wasn't um, uh, on top of her game. Oh, she wasn't really having the best team. And maybe she should have stepped down, she should have stepped down and taken a more experienced CEO, you know, like a real visionary. Okay, well, to this type of question, <laughs> I can see you're smiling. Oh my gosh, I have some stories. I have, I will have to tell you. Yes, I have experienced exactly. I'm sure it rings a bell. I'm sure yes. it rings a bell. <laughs> yeah. So to this type of question, which is super annoying because you can't predict the future for sure. Again. If someone was in capacity to predict the future, he or she will be super, super wealthy and he or she wouldn't be in front of this, uh, you know, in this um, meeting room asking you for a couple of hundred thousand dollars. He or she would be somewhere in the stock market. So, okay, let, 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 let's be serious. Let's be real for a minute. <laughs> so it's only a matter of, to me, it's only a matter of scenarios. So if um, a CEO or a founder or founding team uh, comes from a background where they know that they're not, they can't afford to fail, so they will be used to, you know, bootstrapping and taking the, the really super conservative projections because they can't afford to not make them, okay? And that's the way they run their business and that's why their business is running, it's still running. Well, it's one scenario really. And if they, if they meet investors who are used or who want or who consider that it's a failure or it's a lack of ambition or it's a lack of business acumen to not uh, have higher um, projections, show them higher scenario. And you will have maybe two, three, four scenarios. Like scenario one, that's yours. That's your projection. Scenario two, well, if this and this and this goes right, cool. Scenario three, if the sun is blue and the, the, the sun is, uh, is, is yellow and the sky is blue and the, the, the birds are singing, fantastic. We'll end up there. Scenario four, wow. <laughs> Climate change is solved tomorrow morning. There's no wars anymore. It's crazy maybe we'll get there i love that that's Pick your scenario it's good advice to you it's not my scenario it's yours <laughs> that's right you know that would have been very helpful years ago when we went through um you know we had big ideas and we heard on the one hand we heard 
oh, that's too big. You're boiling the ocean. That's what I heard. And then when we brought it back into what we thought would be more reasonable yeah. and a place to start, right? The ambition yeah. is still the bigger ambition, but yeah. we wanted to make it comfortable so that someone felt like, all right, we've made kind of this realistic approach mm -hmm. for the first phase, if you will. Mm -hmm. And we weren't ambitious enough. So I just... I'm like, yes, I absolutely remember hearing this. And I wasn't sure, but I love the scenario concept because I don't know that, you know, now that makes a lot of sense. I probably would want to do that. But at that point, I just wasn't prepared for that. And in fact, uh, the scenario opens a conversation mm -hmm. because you, you then you're not challenged on are you right or are you wrong? That's right. It's not the question anymore. Or do I believe you or not? It's not the question. It is, okay, what are the basic assumptions that you're going to make very, to make, um, to, let ver to let them vary in your, in your scenario? That's the question. Mm -hmm. So it opens for a business conversation, for a strategic conversation, for mm -hmm. an operations conversation. Which is and, if, and it's it's the conversation you want to have with your potential investors, and right. if again you find that it's not the conversation they want to have, then they filter themselves out. Mm -hmm. If after their own biases and prejudice, prejudice um, uh, being uh, let's say uh, over overcome by the scenario strategy then we'll be in the meet, like having the real conversation as if you had a board meeting with them. And you'll see how it goes. And they'll see, okay, do I understand? Does she give interesting sources? Does it make sense? Is it rational? Is it a bit wild? Oh, maybe she has a bigger vision than we expected initially. Oh, but yeah, so she's doing it in tranches. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, wow, it's pragmatic. I didn't get that. All these things. Mm -hmm. But for these things to happen, you need to unlock, just like a cork, you know, you need to unlock the first cork, the, 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 the first block. Mm -hmm. And then when the cork pops, then you can have the real talk. Otherwise, it's just like theatrics. When I think about when you know we went through this brief investor process and then we chose to bootstrap which made more sense at that point we didn't have the time right so you've got your you've got 30 minutes make a quick introduction how do you how do you make those really meaningful and how do you kind of make sure that those questions don't hijack you that's a great question. Um, I think that one of the things I encourage more and more people to do is to send before the meeting um, a short video, like in Loom, if you like, or any equivalent tool, mm -hmm. uh, a short video of a five minutes max pitch and of a 15 to 20 minutes uh, walkthrough of the pitch presentation of the whole package, if you like, the, the, uh -huh. the, the, the whole, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 pages that you have. So that, um, and the advantage is that 15 to 20 minutes listened at times to speed, it, it comes down to 10 minutes. Uh -huh. So that you will immediately see if the investors are already interested and they start the conversation with questions, not you're repeating like a parrot over and over again the same things, uh -huh. then you have a proper use and an interesting use of your 30-minute conversation. That's the first remark I wanted to. to, to That's to. fantastic advice, right? So they're already prepared. They've already heard what you probably would have spent most of your conversation on. Exactly. First pitch. Now you can dive in. Exactly. And have that real so, so if they have questions on customers, mm -hmm. you can rave about customers during 20 minutes mm -hmm. and not be anxious about the fact that you didn't have time to present your team. Mm -hmm. um, what's the point, again, of having conversation that, that if after uh, them reviewing your document and your, your video, they realize that, no, they're interesting. Well, it saves you time. Fantastic. Thank you very much. 
no need to come and spend 30 minutes repeating over and over again the same things that you say. Love so it. that's the first remark. If it's not possible or if people don't want to, which is, you know, again, possible. Um, I think there's no cookie cutter um, answer there. But um, um, I think it comes down to the two or three big messages that you want your potential investors to understand after the first meeting, which is only a first meeting. And the, the, what is the objective of the first meeting to yep. get either a clear no, mm. a clear no, not a, oh, well, let's see each other when in fact it's already a no, but they're going to waste your time. Mm. A clear no. Mm -hmm. And if it's a clear no, then get feedback. Right. Okay. Uh, even if it's a whacked feedback, at least you'll know what people seem to be thinking so that you can prepare yourself to address this weird um, questions or objections. So that's the first thing. And otherwise it's to move on. And maybe the next time, the, the, the next step in the process, it's not a second meeting. Maybe it's opening a data room. Maybe it's a one-on-one -on -one conversation, not with the whole team, but with a founder in their portfolio because that's their process but at least move on one step ahead. Mm -hmm. They're not going to write a check after the first meeting. Some angels, some angels, um, of course, they're the, they're the only one, there is one person to decide and they have super fast decision-making process. So I think that one of the things that can be useful during this first meeting, during the 30 or 20 minute meeting is to be super clear if you're not already on the decision-making process. So who, can just, who gets to decide um, what's the general time frame? Um, how do you work with your potential counsels, advisors, whoever is with you? So that at least it's clear, uh -huh. you know? And when it's clear for you, uh, at least uh, time-wise and process-wise, then if you have extra time, then you can add another layer on top of the three or four big messages around your company, maybe add another one, like an additional one, or ask the, 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 the investor uh, for um, not a reference, but um, how he or why he or she believes that he or she should be a great fit to be on your cap table because it's um it's a mutual choice right so it's a mutual choice yes and especially for the the, the mission-driven founders because they are my favorites you know the, the the companies which try and solve social or environmental um, problems or big issues um you don't want anyone to give you money and jump aboard your mm -hmm. ship because it's a, it's a very fragile ship and it's an important one. Mm -hmm. It's not just a business, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want someone having potential voting rights, um, affecting your strategy in a way that could derail your ship mm -hmm. uh, if your ship is actually solving a big social or environmental problem. So yeah, I... Uh, and, and it's, not a, it's not a provocation. It's not a provocative question. It's not to be offensive or insolent or whatever. It's just, you know, can you tell me more about how you, how you add value or how you, what, what the founders that you've invested in say about you? Mm -hmm. How do they value your contribution? Can you tell me a story about it? Mm -hmm. It's not offensive. Why did they pick you? Why did they choose you as lead investor? Right. It's a great question. I love that. Now, those are business. Those are questions that I think are fantastic because you can channel them into a business conversation. What happens when the questions are borderline or actually, frankly, discriminatory or sexist or rude or uh, upsetting what do what do you have to have as your mindset and how do you 
turn it to still being a good conversation? Or is there a point where, I think we mentioned before, there's a point where you walk away, but I don't know that you can't, I'm sure that we see that too. It's a personal choice, really. Um, I think you wouldn't react in the same way if you're one or two people. Because if you're alone in your pitch meeting, mm-hmm. you always can have a doubt about what you heard. Like, am I really sure I heard what I just heard? Okay. <laughs> Is it me or, you know, you can always yeah, yeah, yeah. have this doubt like, yeah, maybe I was stressed. I don't know. Mm, maybe I'm overreacting, maybe whatever. When you're two people, <laughs> Generally, there's one person talking and the other one listening at some point in time. And so if you have two, <laughs> the two people on the same team looking at each other like, what? Did we really both just hear that? Did this happen just yeah. now? Um, well, again, it's a personal choice. Um, it's a personal choice. You have some people who believe that even if you're offered with all the irony possible with this word offered you've offered um a borderline or you know racist or sexist or discriminatory question by a potential investor you can reply and in a blunt way and still move on and still have the conversation and still be okay with this person investing in your business there are some people who, who believe that and who say, I don't care. They won't have enough rights anyway. I don't mean, I don't mind being associated with these people. And, you know, I need the money. It's okay. I'll do whatever. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there are some people who are okay with that. And I think it's the kind of scenario that you would need to prepare for in advance so that, especially if you're two people, that you or three that you react in a in a coherent way like mm-hmm. everybody is super clear that if this happens it's that person who will answer and who will answer in this way in this fashion so for example for sexist or racist remarks such as do you have the nerves to do that or you do you believe you're strong enough mm-hmm. uh, what does your partner think about Mm-hmm. you running this business um are you in an age where maybe you will want to focus down the ra- down the line on having a family maybe or that, you know I've heard of stuff lot. yes of course i had a i had a, a woman founder once who was told by another woman investor um there was a guy and a, a guy and a, a man and a woman and the woman investor asked the founder a woman alone or she was alone uh, there were three of them she asked her are you um you know this is serious business huh uh, we're we're prepared to invest in your business but this is a serious matter and we're in for the long run so given your age she was 40 ish given your age i understand that you don't have any child yet um you realize that um, you'll probably have to uh, froze, freeze your eggs. Did you consider that? Because it, obviously you won't be able to have a child mm-hmm. while we're invested in you. <laughs> and it's okay. a woman who asked that. Interesting. No, preposterous. Yeah. Scandalous. And she, and she reacted in a super violent way and she left the room. Okay. And that was her choice. Yeah. Some other people, maybe they would never, you know, they would, they would not have um, answered. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would have tried to answer. Maybe they would have tried to fight back. Like, uh, why would you think I could not do this and that? Why do you say that? How come you dare me ask la, la, la? It's illegal for you to ask me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some others may might have ignored her. Uh-huh. Like the person would ask this question and you would look at them and say, okay, so going back to the business, the, re- the only <laughs> thing I really want to stress is that our customers just ignoring it. Right. There, there are many potential reactions and it's super personal. It's an ethical question, really. Mm-hmm. And 
but I think the worst that can happen is to be taken off guard and not reacting in a way that you feel comfortable with after that. So if you feel like the person is clearly trespassing the borderline and and you don't find the strength in you or you're just taken by surprise, like it's too much, you're like, wow, in shock and you can't say anything. Uh Maybe you can take a break and go wash your hands, you know, ask for a break and, you know, drink some water outside, walk a minute, recollect your thoughts and come back Uh and take this, that minute or these two minutes to decide what you're going to do. If you're taking like by by surprise, like (laughs) uh, what? (laughs) It happens surprisingly a lot. I see, I see that one out that direction a lot. And then the other one I see quite a bit, unfortunately, is someone um, asking someone out or uh, talking about how attractive they are or, you know, taking it into an uncomfortable personal direction. Well, again, um, in this matter, you can decide to report them Mm -hmm. because it's not acceptable. Um, if there are several people, maybe one person said that the other person is like as shocked as you. So you might decide to only talk to the other person, like decidedly <laughs> and ignore the first. Um, you can make a joke about it and say, oh, but uh, maybe maybe you're confused with the, with the purpose of this meeting. <laughs> I thought we were we were discussing a potential deal, investment deal. I thought I wasn't. I didn't think I was the deal. You know, you can say it very clearly, or with a joke, depending on your personality. But again, um, uh, I I don't think we should be we should prescribe anything to the persons who have to suffer these kind of remarks because um, it comes after a long, generally long sequence of offenses and (sighs) heavy climate, let's put it this way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so if some of them are, you know, stuck and they can't say anything and the conversation comes back after a minute, but taken by the person who made the, the crazy remark and he or she takes power again. And the founder is just, yeah, too, too, too much in shock and she, she can't say, she or he can't say anything. Well, yeah, he will take a minute after, after he or she leaves and he will they can then make the decision if he or she wants to um, follow on with the conversation with these people. Right. Or he or she wants to call them out or, but again, it's a super personal decision. Very true. And there's really no right or wrong. It's something that you want to prepare for, but you, you, you figure out how you respond to it. What's most comfortable. Yes. And what are the cards in your hand? I mean, if you're, if you're struggling to raise money and you have, I don't know how many employees and it's a mess and you feel like, no, you're not betraying yourself. You're prepared to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if the person is not talking very nicely to you, you don't care, you ignore him or her because you're used to being, you know, called names and it's it's not your problem really. Mm. Hey, well, if, if you're okay with that and when you get the money, now you'll make uh, the things right. Calling the supervisor, talking to the partners when you get the money it's possibility yeah but there are some people who won't who won't be who won't tolerate that right those are good answers some i have one more question and i want to figure out how to empower us as listeners whether it's a you know whoever we are at whatever part we play in this Mm -hmm. process is how do we become allies? What is, the, what is it that we might be able to do 
or others, whether it's partners, whether it's just someone involved in the process, mentors, you know, whatever, how do we become allies um, and help others through these, these more difficult situations? You mean before they happen or after? I guess there's because it's not the same. Both, right? <laughs> a role for both, right? Okay. Um, how do we act as allies before? Well, first by buying the products, making the business run as a business, or opening your network to make it work like a business. <laughs> okay. Um, and then it's just a variation of this, which is leaving um, recommendations or reviews if it's applicable in, the, in that line of business or writing um, notes or testimonials that they can add in their pitch package. Mm -hmm. Or um, if you have time for that and that you have the capacity and that the team is okay with that, you can become a mentor or an advisor so that you can lend them a bit of your reputation and credibility in your markets, because that's what you do mm -hmm. when you become, when you, they show you, you know, in the team as advisors and mentors, you lend them a bit of your credibility and, and professional experience. That's what you do. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, there's a sort of currency investment, mm -hmm. except that this currency is social capital. So um, these are the very, um, not easy because it's not easy, but it's very pragmatic ways that you can be a good ally for uh, for a team or for a founder uh, who is about to um, you know to go down that right down that right road. Um, otherwise, um, I think that um, giving feedback, especially before pitches and stuff. Um, if you know the person too much, uh, I'm not sure it's always helpful, to be honest, because you won't see him or her with the same eyes as the persons who are about to discuss with her, except if, if your job is being an investor or that you have an extensive angel investing experience. Well, again, then it's, uh, you know, you're sharing your expertise. But if it's just one opinion, but you know, you've got a good business sense, but it's just one opinion. I'm not sure it's the best attitude ever. However, what you can do is, you know, um, be there, cheer them up. Um, if they want to rehearse and not in front of their camera on their own, but with a human being, be there. <laughs> be there. Um, uh, but I'm not sure that, uh, and I did a, a post on LinkedIn the other day, I'm not sure that any feedback is a gift. Sometimes feedback given not at the right moment or not in the right fashion or not from the right um, uh, viewpoint, if you like, um, sometimes it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. And I know in, in many, um, Anglophone countries, uh, there's this big thing about giving feedback, but it's not always helpful. Sometimes you just need someone to not say anything, mm -hmm. just be there, just to be there, and just shut up and be there, and not give your you the ten thousands uh, opinion. <laughs> so, and maybe to end on a more positive note, you can help. Um, the founder uh, make his or her mind, like help him or help her decide, regain clarity. So not saying, if I were you, I would do this or that, but reframe or rephrase what are the elements that he or she has to make his decision or her decision. Mm -hmm. And that's helpful. Because sometimes when you're overwhelmed with so many things to handle and, and juggle, uh, it can be a lot. And really helping, having someone who can say, okay, so you have 10 factors, basically, or 10 data points, 10 pieces of information 
based on what you just told me, you take notes. Okay, so you told me this and this and this and this and this and this. What are the most important to you? Okay, why are they the most important to you? Okay, if you had the choice, which one would you pick? Okay, you can't pick then. Okay, if uh, we're one year from now, what would you hope, etc. And so take the person and, and help him or her get unstuck. Mm -hmm. And that's super helpful. <laughs> yes, it is. That's I think where I try to be as a mentor too, is it's not about my decision-making. It's about me sharing what I see or what, you know, have them really be able to make the decision and get unstuck, or at least consider it from a different perspective or yeah. have, share an experience of someone else that maybe they could use in their decision-making yes. or that sort of thing. And so after the meeting, because you said before and after, after the meeting, it's, um, if the meeting was recorded or um, there's some sort of notes, somewhere that have been taken, um, helping them review the notes, um, helping them check in with how they feel, um, were they energized? Uh, do they want to keep on discussing with this team of investors or angels or was it the worst and they just wanted to puke and it's horrible and they feel sick? Yes, it could be a great name, but they really felt sick from the minute they got into the building. You know, this kind of... Mm. Um, general wrap up after a meeting and it's not a technical one so even if you don't have any sort of connection with the investing world you can totally do it um, because sometimes you know when you're so committed for your business to grow and to find the resources to make it work sometimes you can forget yourself but your business won't work if you're not okay uh -huh. that's really good insights I'm so and there are so many things that we've been taught to you know politeness and not making people feel uncomfortable and <laughs> all these things um that sometimes you feel awkward or you feel bad and you can believe that it's your fault when really you're inside you're reacting to somewhat something that's happening outside but because we we've been taught to shut these voices and shut shut down the signals and shut down these cues uh, I think we lose a lot of our clarity and our ability to um, evaluate the room or evaluate the situation and mm -hmm. so reconnecting and regaining a sense of yeah, connection with these cues and with these feelings after the meeting and hopefully next time during the meeting, it's super powerful. I love that. I also think that we as humans over time are willing to gloss over things and forget things and where, so I love the right after or during, making sure that you remember how you feel because it's very easy a month later to go, oh, it wasn't that bad. Or <laughs> I must not have felt that really, it might've been part, you know, like we're, we're willing to do a lot of things to make something fit into, you know, this, yeah. this process that shouldn't fit if it really was no. that uncomfortable <laughs> so yeah. yeah 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 I think Definitely. all of these are really really wonderful and any um any resources or any blogs or obviously I would love to send people to your blog I think there's a lot of really interesting I've been reading some of your LinkedIn posts and and I think that I will make sure in the in the blog article that we do to support the podcast that will link there if that's fine with you thank and you fantastic resources something that you just love 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 reading where it challenges some of these you know conversations um so uh to come up just now the first one and it's a it's a general fan me me fangirling someone Okay. And I am not I am not the kind of person who fangirls anyone. I'm I'm super critical. I'm super, you know. <laughs> yeah. 
yes. I'm not saying amazing every other minute. It's not my business or personal culture. So when I say I'm, it's a fangirl moment, it's a big one. Um, I love all the, the, the way that um, Arlen Hamilton from Backstage Capital navigates yeah um, her way in vc and really in the um in the tech world um i think she brought so much so much insights and she revealed so many things um to the general public um with um you know understandable words not technical vocabulary, and also with a big sense of um, both humility and grounded vision. Okay, I'll make sure and that's, that's super sure. inspiring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one. The second one, which is a bit more tactical, uh, and you know, it can be useful as well, is the series of threads of Twitter threads that you can find on I think the the website of Hustle Fund, which is the which are the threads um, written by Elizabeth Yin, who is the yeah. you know her okay from Hustle Fund, yes. uh, Hustle VC, and and she she has these huge Twitter threads where she explains in a very um, um, you know uh, step by step fashion. Uh, why this kind of strategy to fundraise is a good reason, is a good way, why she would advise against it and based on what experience, um, how she, based on the questions that she receives on a regular basis, how she would advise, you know, this founder, which clearly is underestimated for a long time, but who needs the money now, but his business, if he gets the money, then in six months is going to grow and then he'll be too diluted. Well, do it in tranches. How do you, um, you know, make create momentum in your fundraise? How mm. do you make sure that you're not uh, lost in the middle of the FOMO? And how do you not lose yourself? All these tactical stuff, really, uh -huh. uh, which are so valuable. Uh, again, are available for free. Um, so again, in her Twitter profile. Or yep, yep. Uh, she has a special link in the uh, Hustle Fund um, page. Yeah, she has a fantastic email. I get that one too. I, I haven't started following Arlen enough, but I'm going to do that also. Awesome advice. Okay, thank you. Thank you so very much for joining the podcast today. Thank you for having me again. Really great discussion. So for our listeners, thank you for listening to the Global Growth Podcast powered by Globig. And then join us next time for more fabulous guests and topics related to both local and international growth and building that velocity. 